and welcome to the Inspired Educator Podcast, where educators share insights to improve the educational experience. I'm your host, Dr. Yuling Lee. On today's episode, I'm presenting a conversation between Professor Nina Pak-Louis and three of her students, Maria Dykstra, Emma Dreger, and Sean Hui. These students are fourth-year pre-service teachers, and we believe their lived experience within our teacher education program is important and must be shared. Their conversation centers on academic agency and pedagogical inquiry, especially relating to their developing understanding of assessment. Without further ado, here's their conversation. (laughs) Thank you for being here today and um, sharing your learning with everyone who's listening. So the oral reflection, I just wanted to give a preamble to the audience to prepare uh, all the student teachers in the fourth year evaluation no, assessment for and evaluation for learning. Mm-hmm. We well, the purpose of assessment is like for the instructor. It's summative. Um, it's assessment of learning, of your overall commitments, abilities, and understandings in relation to the course learning outcomes. And for a student, it's an as learning opportunity to reflect on course learning as a whole. Okay, mm-hmm. and for the we have Trinity Western School of Education learning outcomes. We have the teacher, BC Teacher Council's professional standards that are related to the course. And then we have like course specific learning outcomes. I just want to read out the like the kind of like the end goals that we are going to be speaking to. So for the School of Ed, um, we have virtue pathways and the two that is connected to this oral is reflective practice and discernment. Um, and it's our hope and it's intended for students to demonstrate the ability to communicate effectively, think creatively and critically and use and gather evidence to inform their practice, uh, respond with wisdom, humility and compassion to questions, issues and problems related to education and understand the ethical nature of their professional role and serve educational communities with joy, gratitude, Mm -hmm. humility, commitment, and integrity. Mm -hmm. And for professional standards in British Columbia, there are two that we have closely aligned with and kind of reflected on. It's the two, the first one is educators value the success of all students. Mm -hmm. Educators care for students and act in their best interest and educators implement effective planning, instruction, assessment, and reporting practices to create respectful, inclusive environments for student learning and development. And for course-specific outcomes, it's to communicate your beliefs and understandings about assessment and evaluation and ways to create, build, and strengthen all that is good, articulate and explore spiritual, moral and ethical implications of current and future assessment and evaluation practices and lastly draw on personal spiritual beliefs values experiences and practices as well as the wisdom of others to formulate assessment and evaluation commitments as an educator yeah okay (laughs) and just to give context all students in education 401 there was an embedded practicum uh, with a couple of schools in the local area and um, everything that they have learned they have had an opportunity to transfer and apply some of the knowledge in real learning environments with um, mentor teachers and a real group of students Mm -hmm. mostly upper elementary and high school right 
So why don't we introduce ourselves a little bit? I am Professor Nina Pak-Louie. <laughs> <laughs> I teach the Ed 401, and assessment is definitely an area of interest um, and an area that I've really like read a lot about and committed to transforming my own practice um, because the learners in my care are very important to me, their learning and their well-being. And then I have in the room Maria. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Maria Dykstra. Um, I've been living here in BC for quite a while, and I am in my fourth year here at Trinity. As I'll talk about later, I had very limited understanding of what assessment was um, and how teachers should practice it. So I'm excited to share some of the development I've made in that area. My name is Emma Dreger. I am also a fourth year student, and I'm wanting to become a middle school or high school teacher um, specifically in the humanities area of teaching, so whether that be English or social studies, things of that sort. Um, I've also grown up in the area in Surrey, um, but regarding assessment, I was reflecting, and if you would have told me that assessment would be one of the things I'm most passionate about in my teacher education, I would have laughed. So <laughs> um, that's true to me today, but it's been a lot of... Um, a lot of learning that's brought me to this place of being so passionate, so I'm excited to share that. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> uh, yeah, hello. Uh, my name is Sean, Sean Hoy, and I am also a fourth-year education student here at Trinity Western. Um, I also grew up in Vancouver, specifically North Van by the mountains, and I had my whole schooling experience there, and it's so cool seeing what I've been learning kind of in class and my fourth year education and trying to see how I could apply that to, to you know, the current schooling experience, just because knowing from my own personal experience, the assessment practices were quite different. And so I really enjoyed the course. I think it's opened my eyes a lot about, especially just how assessment practices can relate to, you know, our faith and, mm -hmm. and, and, and just how we can treat students well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's me. So to prepare, we ask students to kind of like read all those program and provincial and course related, like the learning outcomes. And then I, I asked you to consider all the formative and summative learning opportunities that you've had, class discussions, the assignments, um, learning activities, reflections, your experiential learning opportunities in practicum, in the field, in your readings. And we've asked you to reflect on the knowledge, understandings, and skills you engage with and formed independently and collaboratively during the semester. So we're just gonna go through some of the questions and we'll each, you'll all have like an opportunity to share mm -hmm. your thoughts about them. And we did ask you to kind of like have a visual aid. So if you have a visual aid with you, you can describe them to the audience and use it to support what you wanna share. Okay, so the first question is, we'll be starting with our own experiences. What images, experiences, and assumptions and associ associations did you have about assessment and evaluation for learning before taking education for a what? It's the first I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a little bit of experience in assessment practice and design before coming here, uh, mostly in like UBD and in backwards design because you kind of learned the order of the way to do it, having your learning targets first and then working out your assessment task. Um, so I also understood that there had to be alignment between our purpose for assessment and the way that we go about assessment. That being said, I had some pretty big misconceptions about what assessment is, and I think it's mostly in part due to 
um, how I experienced assessment in my own education. So for one, I always thought of assessment as something that teachers do to their students. Um, even self-assessment for me, I always felt like it was something that my teachers were making me do so that I could show evidence of learning for a grade. I also assumed that everybody, that's teachers and students included, hated doing assessments, and the only reason that we did them was so that we could come up with something for the report card at the end of each term. I also had a very like narrow view of what assessment was, so I didn't think of assessment as something that should or could occur every class. So I did not understand what diagnostic assessment was <laughs> or what feedback was. Like that was so limited. Yeah. It's yeah, it's super humbling for me to look back on my misguided understanding of assessment. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we recognize these misconceptions are really common for not just for students but for teachers in our community. Yeah. For this reason I'm not going to take for granted the assessment literacy that I now have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so similarly, I've experienced different types of assessment and different kind of ideas in my classes beforehand. So whether that be Education 321, like UBD, or um, I've had other professors use standards-based grading on us, but I never really understood it. I've definitely more, um, throughout my whole education, really had misguided things that I'm kind of sad about. And now that I'm looking at that, I want to change that for students because I've shared with some of the people here that beforehand I always thought of assessment as a competition or as a game that I had to win and I had to find a way to tick off the boxes to get the best mark and I had to play by the rules and I had to cater to the teacher's likes or use big words or have great presenting skills and it was all about just performing. It was never about learning or moving forward and so when I'd get a paper back and I saw 85 or 87 or 93, I'd be like, awesome, great, I won, put that away. I would never think about what I did good or think about how I could continue to improve. But if I got anything less than I thought I deserved or wanted, it would crush me. And if I wasn't winning, I was losing. And it wasn't an opportunity for growth for me. And so that brought the quote to mind that we heard this semester of the meaning that students give to grades is what is most important. And I was putting my value as a person in my grades as whether I was worthy or not worthy. And that now I see how important it is to put value in growth and in the journey and that we have inherent value no matter where on the path we are. So. I think I've, I've come a long way and I want to make that change definitely continually within myself, but also for my future students. Yeah, I think for me, um, in terms of thinking about what I thought about assessment before Education 401, I will be honest, I had a chance to take Education 321 with Professor Nina and that was a really amazing course for me in terms of starting to introduce myself to some of these more newer assessment practices. And so the picture that I kind of had coming into 401 is this picture of a basketball coach. I think coaching is a common kind of metaphor that we talk about in, in assessment. And for me, some of the aspects about that with coaching is especially that personalized feedback in understanding that each student has a unique need and, and how can you kind of individualize, you know, feedback to support each student in, in their own educational journeys. Mm -hmm. 
the other thing that was really big was understanding, you know, why formative assessments, quote, does not count for marks. And it's understanding that it's not about grades necessarily, but it is, as Emma said, focusing on growth. Mm -hmm. And so I also had that experience where I felt like I had to do my absolute best on every assignment in order to ensure that I got the best percentage. And so mm -hmm. understanding that I can actually work on an assessment fully for the purpose of growth was, was kind of mind-blowing to me. Mm -hmm. And the really big effect that it had was being able to kind of destigmatize mistakes, you know, mm -hmm. that I could actually learn to make mistakes and that mm -hmm. mistakes were a part of the learning process. And so, yeah, those are kind of some of the ideas I had coming into the class. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, and being honest and vulnerable with your <laughs> assumptions, yeah. The second question was identify specific learning opportunities that you had, could be both formative and summative, that significantly affected your thinking and growth and understanding about assessment and evaluation for learning. How did um, your course learning experiences alter and expand your thinking and beliefs in relation to assessment? <laughs> um, I think it's going to be impossible for any of us to summarize in this short time yeah. everything <laughs> that we've learned in this class. Like, it's impossible, but... I'm just gonna kind of go through four different, I guess, competencies that I believe I became more proficient in mm -hmm. over the semester. So the first one is that I learned the nature and the benefits of formative assessment. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of readings um, from our textbook that was Shapui and Stiggins that helped me kind of learn the different types of formative assessment and the different strategies that go along with them. And then I also had to like purposely use different strategies in my practicum experiences and so I got to kind of reap the actual benefits that those formative strategies brought. Mm -hmm. While planning for my first lesson at practicum this semester, I was a little bit worried because I couldn't think of an assessment method that would fit naturally into the lesson that I was supposed to teach. And then after talking with Nina, um, I realized that as a choir teacher, I was formatively assessing literally 24-7, like through observing my students um, diagnostically, giving them feedback, and asking them to self-reflect on their performances. Um, I also learned how to deconstruct and thoroughly explain different learning targets. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of practice in this as a class. We did that activity <laughs> over and over <laughs> again because we really needed to. Mm -hmm. um, and after teaching, I would reflect on my assessment strategies and the design of my assessment tools. Each time I realized that I probably should have spent more time actually flushing out exactly what mm -hmm. that learning target meant to me as a teacher and also what it meant to my students in that specific context. Mm -hmm. Once I was more confident in my clear purpose for the assessment and I really understood the learning target to be assessed, I could redesign my assessment and my tool to be more useful and more accurate. I also learned how to determine appropriate assessment methods for different purposes and for different learning targets. So as a class, we did that target matching activity where we matched the different classifications of learning targets to the different assessment methods that there are. I learned that assessment comes in many shapes and sizes and that sound assessment practices are a shape and a size that fit with the specific purpose and the learning targets that they are assessing. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I learned how to create effective assessment tools. Mm -hmm. We did this a lot when we were analyzing different rubrics, which mm -hmm. was pretty funny because there were some horrible rubrics out there. <laughs> um, we also created a rubric for one of uh, Nina's colleagues, which was really fun. <laughs> it was a little difficult, but we, it was a good activity. Mm -hmm. um, and then I created my own tools for my practicum experiences, and then I analyzed and critiqued them 
afterwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've described the last semester to Nina before as being an, inse- an inception of assessment. <laughs> um, <laughs> it felt like I was, like the scales fell from my eyes and all of a sudden assessment was everywhere. <laughs> where <laughs> I would not have thought that before. So I had a lot of really great experiences, whether that be in Education 401, where I was both learning about standards-based learning and grading um, and having that done to me, as well as in my practicum class, my mentor teacher was incredible at implementing that in her practice and really guiding us through. I also am a student in other classes, so I was being graded on a 100-point scale and experiencing that and for the first time asking questions of, is this ethical? Is this really showing my learning? Are some of the grading practices a little bit arbitrary? Asking those questions. But I also had the great experience. I was really honored to be able to be a TA for Nina this semester and kind of get a behind-the-scenes view of what happens in assessment and how that's practically done. And similar to Maria, I I cannot encapsulate all the things that I learned this semester in a few minutes, so I want to specifically focus on feedback and how important that was in my journey. And that's definitely something that stands out in bold in my mind. And so this was the first time for myself that I actually understood what feedback was and how to apply it. That feedback is not a statement and evidence of my failure, but rather it's steps to success. And so getting to see that for myself was incredible. Also, as Nina's TA, I got the opportunity to be able to give individual and general feedback to students and work with them. And so getting to see and ask questions, point to things, and be a part of that was really cool to then see it applied and see growth just by asking a question every once in a while. Um, And also in my practicum class, I had this one student come up to me and they asked me to read their poem. And so I read it and it was a really great poem. So I said, oh, this is awesome. Like you did a really good job at using a variety of different words. You really diversified your language. And the student's face lit up and was like, oh my goodness, on my last poem, my teacher said that I needed to stop using repetitive language and use a bigger vocabulary. Whoa, that blew my mind that a 15-year-old was applying feedback and I was just learning how to do that at the age of 21. (laughs) And I can only imagine where I'd be now if at 15 I understood what feedback was rather than taking it as my failure. And so this led to the quote from Katie White that assessment can support hope, joy, and efficacy. And if I stand for these things in other areas of my learning and my life, why have they not been applied to my schooling? And it's because I hadn't thought about school as learning. I thought about it as performing. And so if we know that feedback is a vital part of our assessment, then we're honoring the fact that it's a progress, that it actually is moving forward. Um, so that's one of the key features that I got in my time in this semester. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, I think it's also really cool that you mentioned, you know, that you're really focusing in that feedback, just Mm -hmm. like kind of focusing on the learning. Mm -hmm. And I know that is, that's actually something we read about in our textbook with Shapreen Stiggins, that Mm -hmm. when we focus on learning targets in our feedback, that it it helps grow with the learning as well. And so... I'm also going to say that I can encapsulate everything <laughs> that I've learned <laughs> in the amount of time that we have here. But I think both Maria and Emma already highlighted some really meaningful parts of learning for me with mm-hmm. learning targets and, and also f- you know, giving feedback. I think that's an area that I want to mm-hmm. grow in. Uh, for me, there were a few specific kind of 
assessments or learning experiences during the course that really shaped me. And one of them was actually I had a chance to have a conference with Nina before teaching my first lesson and applying you know, those assessment practices. And so one of the things that I learned, it's very highly specific and practical, was just realizing that you, know, you can use diagnostic assessment to change in-class instruction. Mm -hmm. You know, coming from 321, I thought diagnostic assessment was something more for kind of big picture or like figuring out how I wanted to change the curriculum or, you know, maybe even next lesson. But as I was chatting with Nina about my lesson and, and her referring back to what she was doing in class, I realized that you can actually use diagnostic assessment to adjust instruction on the fly, mm -hmm. which, was, which was totally mind-blowing to me. And I think it was in that moment that it really established this picture of a bridge, you know, that, that became really concrete. Dylan William calls, you know, a bridge, you know, or assessment, you know, the bridge between teaching and learning. Because we understand that it is not guaranteed that what we say and what we teach will automatically be received by the students. And so realizing that I could use diagnostic assessment, kind of like a conversation where, okay, this is what I've said, this is what I've taught, you know, what have you received from that? And then adjusting, okay, you didn't get this part, let me talk a little bit more about this. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it becomes a very relational and very interactive form of, of dialogue. Mm -hmm. And leading from that conversation on using diagnostic assessment in class, the second thing that I learned, and this is a little bit more big picture, is actually the importance of setting boundaries and being sustainable mm -hmm. in, in your assessment practices and in your teaching. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the School of Education, uh, one of the, the virtue pathways just mentioned was approaching educational issues with compassion, humility, and also wisdom. And I think it's quite easy for me to go on the compassion side and to believe I have to help every single student <laughs> and do their <laughs> absolute too. best, right? right? And, and it's, it's a noble cause and it's totally, it's, it's totally a good vision. But it's important to temper that with humility, mm -hmm. realizing that I can't do everything and I am not the savior. You know, God is the savior. That's something I've learned in, in my own faith journey and mm -hmm. hearing from different pastors. Mm -hmm. And then also the wisdom piece, you know, what is the most efficient way of, of assessing? And this relates quite specifically to choosing your sample size. That's something Shapui and Stiggins talk about, you know, how big of a sample do you need? Like, do you need to do individual feedback, like every mm -hmm. lesson? And, and also, yeah, I think for me realizing, you know, what are the things that we need to let go of? Uh, I think Nina modeled this super <laughs> well in class and realizing that we want to, it's very tempting to want to cover everything and, and realizing that we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so, so what do we need to let go of? You know, mm -hmm. that's something that, that I think is an essential question sometimes. And also, you know, what are the essentials? What are the things that we need to focus on? And so that was what I, some of the things that I learned from that conference. Uh, the other really big kind of learning experience for me that that really helped me was actually the reflection piece. Mm -hmm. And we got to reflect every time that we, we taught our lesson. And during my second lesson, I think Nina had some really great prompts that helped me start to think about, okay, you know, why do I think that assessment and good assessment practices is ethical? And I think it always was intuitively ethical to me, like it was easy to understand why, but I was never really able to voice out the reasons behind that. And so again, uh, the School of Education, their virtue pathway is understanding, you know, the ethical nature of being a teacher 
And for me, I think that really relates in terms of the Christian ethics to this idea of stewardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, stewardship was a really big theme in my practicum class, and so inevitably I started to internalize that and think about what that means in, terms in the context of teaching. And so realizing that you know, if we see each student as a gift that God has entrusted to us with unique gifts and skill sets, then I think it's our responsibility to have good assessment practices so that we can both discover and also cultivate the gifts of each student. And so good assessment practices, practices that don't you know, marginalize or don't, I guess, misinterpret the capabilities of each of our students mm-hmm. based on their unique skill sets um, is a part of stewardship. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, those are some of the things that I learned. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, I'll respond to all of you at the very end. Let's keep going. <laughs> Um, but midway, can I just say thank you for being open to learning? <laughs> and thank you for your vulnerability. Just being open mm-hmm. and your own humility. I wanted to acknowledge that. So thank mm-hmm. you. Okay. Next question is um, selecting sort of like an image or an icon of wisdom related to the spiritual or moral or ethical implications of assessment practices. So encouraging you to like go beyond course the course to find additional wisdom that is especially meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. The icon can the icon can be a quote or an image or a story, and we kind of ask you to include a brief description of why it was chosen and how it relates to your future assessment practice. Mm-hmm. Since it's a um, podcast, I guess you can kind of like describe <laughs> the icon. <laughs> Well, my icon's actually a Bible verse, so that's pretty easy. Mine comes from Psalm 32. It reads, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's Psalm 32, verse 8. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important for me as a Christian teacher to consider what image of God I'm going to be conveying with the assessment that I practice. Mm-hmm. I think assessment practices can and do shape student understanding of their relationship with their creator. This might seem like a little bit of a stretch, but I challenge you to think of the role that God plays as a teacher and assessor in your life. Um, God is a judger, like he does judge us. The Bible is very clear about that. But God doesn't want to manipulate us into obeying him or seeking his truths because we are afraid of his judgment. Mm -hmm. As teachers, likewise, we don't want to manipulate our students into learning material or applying themselves as a way to achieve a grade. Mm. We know that this isn't going to be what results in fruitful learning. Mm. God is also not a teacher who sits back in his comfy chair and passively puts little ticky marks in his grade book, (laughs) counting all the ways we screw up. God is a teacher. He teaches us. He sees when we mess up or are going through something difficult. He uses our failures to teach us lasting lessons, Mm. and he helps us self-reflect on our own shortcomings. Mm. God is the type of assessor that gives formative feedback. (laughs) He uses what he knows about us and our mistakes to influence how he teaches us. My point is not to say that we as teachers are like God. That's not it at all. (laughs) But I think that we can better exemplify God's love for our students Mm -hmm. when we use assessment formatively, ethically, mm-hmm. and holistically, as sort of is described in this verse. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Maria. Yeah, so I'll get to my icon in a bit, but I'm taking a windabout way to get there. Okay. Um, my 
first time I experienced standards-based grading, I remember having like an emotional and visceral reaction to <laughs> it. Was that I, in 222? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had like a flexible due date or something and I went crying to my mom because <laughs> I was like I don't understand this like because <laughs> it was the first time that assessment had been set up in such a way that I couldn't tick off the boxes to win oh. I didn't know how to win and that scared me oh. um and so now I think that that's both sad and funny that I was so used to the game of school that I hadn't thought about it as learning and I hadn't been put in that position before to learn instead of prove myself this made me see that like standards-based grading or learning is much more rigorous because you can't just play the game mm. um you can't just write something out put it in times new roman and call it a day <laughs> um it actually puts you in a very vulnerable humble but most importantly hopeful position of learning and recognizing that you're on a journey towards deeper understanding mm. so for my image this is actually provided by one of the students in my practicum class where my mentor teacher was talking to the student and they were so stressed about not get something getting something in on time they're like am I gonna get a zero am I gonna get time <laughs> like marks taken away and the teacher was like this is so sad that you've been conditioned to believe that you just need to do something for the sake of doing it rather than for showing that you're learning so after a conversation the student said wow, it's like we're on a guided path, but it's winding. And it was mm -hmm. crazy for me to see that a student had actually picked up on the teacher's purpose and virtues, and that I want my students to be able to say the same about me, that they can pick up on that. And so for my image, my roommate who can just make beautiful art has, I don't have that skill, <laughs> but she does. And so I asked her if she could create an image for me because this is something I want to keep up in my room or up in my classroom to remind myself and keep myself from falling back into my former idea of that assessment is a game. And so it's this very Pacific Northwest image of mountains and a pathway that's winding upwards. So this is to remind me that learning is a journey. When the student said this in my classroom, the penny dropped for the first time. That assessment was not about proving that I've arrived, but that it's continuing the work of asking questions, stretching yourself, allowing yourself time, and the focus to expand yourself and continue taking steps up rather than trying to convince people that you're winning. Mm -hmm. um, I have come to really be under the moral obligation that we need to honor that learning is a journey. Um, we cannot punish people for not having arrived because we do not come and students do not come into the classroom as prepackaged, fully formed professionals. And specifically from a Christian perspective, under God, we are both declared righteous in the eyes of the Lord and seen as people who are just human beings. We are not, as of right now, I'm not how, who he has designed me to be in the end. I have not reached my teleological ending, but I am where I am now. And because he created me in his image, I have inherent value. Mm -hmm. um, and he has called us to be partake in making the world closer to his kingdom in all of its justice and all of its love. And so if I really believe in this Christian doctrine, why would I assess my students as if they should have already arrived? Mm -hmm. And why, if I believe that students are intrinsically valuable, shouldn't my assessment practices show that? And shouldn't I respect and honor them by challenging them and bringing them to take risks? So this leads me to three quotes. 
And so one of them is we show students respect by believing in them and challenging them. And so this is the act of the guided path of creating um, the challenges to, not creating the challenges, but uh, challenging them to continue to step forward rather than just being like, look, I'm at the top or look, I'm at the end. Um, mm. And that learning occurs with tension, risk-taking and mistake-making, but in a safe environment. So once again, the image of a guided path that we are creating the safety for them to move forward, but we're not taking away the fact that they're still walking. And that safe environment occurs when we respect that learning occurs in a progression. So once again, the image of that path. And so just the idea that we have not arrived, but that we are taking steps forward. And this is for myself and for my students. And so later we'll, I'll kind of approach the question of how do I actually do this in my practice? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Emma. Um, yeah, so for me, uh, my icon, similar to Maria's, was also from the Bible. <laughs> um, and specifically, um, it was the story of the Samaritan woman at the well who encounters Jesus. I, I was listening to a sermon by a pastor named Dale Johnson, who had some mm -hmm. really, really good stuff on, on this passage. And I thought a lot of his points actually applied to assessment. And so if you haven't read it, uh, a quick synopsis of the story, essentially Jesus is in this country of Samaria and he encounters a Samaritan woman at the well. They, they have a conversation which ends with Jesus revealing that he's the savior and the Messiah of the world. And then this Samaritan woman really excitedly goes and, and tells everybody about it. And so the first aspect about the story was realizing Pastor Dale Johnson says that Jesus had to jump through multiple barriers to reach the, the Samaritan woman. Uh, the, Jesus was a Jew and the woman was Samaritan and there was really big ethnic tensions between those two ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he was even talking to her was already one barrier jumped over it. And then there's also the gender barrier as well, that he was a, a Jewish man and she was a Samaritan woman. And in specific context, they're not even supposed to be talking with each other. Mm -hmm. And so he also jumped over the gender wall. And finally, I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but he also jumped over this moral wall that, that she was facing. And so how does this relate to assessment? Well, I think about traditionally, when we, when we talk about student learning and teacher teaching, it would tend to be on the student's initiative to reach out to the teacher when they didn't understand something. Mm. And the student has to ask questions, they would go to office hours, and it, it really is a good initiative for students to, to let the teacher know and to, to show you know, where they are at their learning. But I started to realize that with assessment practices and talking about softening the edges with mm. Katie White, that maybe it's also the teacher's responsibility to make sure that they can jump through any barriers, whether that would be cultural or ethical or, or gender in order to reach where the student is at in their learning. And so this relates to the BC Teachers Council's standard, you know, that they wanna, we wanna value the interests of our students. And I think the way that we can begin that is by jumping over and reaching them where they're at in their learning. The, the second thing that Daryl Johnson talked about in his sermon on this passage was how Jesus had gently you know, revealed you know, just the moral struggle that she was going through. And, and this is similar to what Maria was talking about, about how Jesus does, you know, talk about truth. And in our assessment practices, you know, Shafui and Stegen talks about the importance of accuracy, that we do need to have an accurate understanding of where our students are at. 
but Jesus doesn't do that and doesn't reveal the moral struggle as, as a sort of shaming type of thing, but something that inspires action. Mm-hmm. And that's the second thing that Shafuddin Siggins talked about, is that you need to have accuracy, you need to have action, otherwise there's no gain. And so going into my third point, what specific action was Jesus inspiring the Samaritan woman to? Uh, Daryl Johnson talked about worship, that Jesus was seeking her to be a worshiper of the Lord and that people will worship in spirit and in truth. And so I wonder if, as teachers, when we inspire our students to act, that it's not only an act of productivity, mm-hmm. but actually an act of worship. Mm-hmm. That when we you know, commit ourselves to learning and to cultivating the gifts that God has given us, mm-hmm. that that can be an act of worship. Mm-hmm. And so that is my icon <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for assessment. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. really cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, thank you so much. I don't... I'm in awe right now, (laughs) 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 and it's been, like, what a privilege to listen to all of you, so last question uh, is, oh, no, two questions. What specific actions will you take next as a result of your growth in understanding of assessment and evaluation for learning? I know that you couldn't encapsulate everything. I understand there's limited time. but just like realistically, your next steps, a lot of you are graduating and you're, many of you are thinking of moving on to your professional year and you have many years remaining in the profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what specific actions will you take next as a result of your growth and learning? Yeah, there are so many like groundbreaking, practice-changing things that we learned this mm-hmm. semester. Not only would it be impossible to talk about it all, but I also think it wouldn't be realistic or mm. effective for us as teachers to try and encapsulate all yeah. of that in our practice right away. Mm-hmm. That's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a couple more short-term goals that I've set for myself in my future teaching practice. The first uh, relates to kind of what Emma was saying about school being a game. I want to commit not to using grades as a manipulation tool. Mm-hmm it's honestly going to be the hardest one for me because Mm -hmm. that's how I experienced education, Mm -hmm. especially in high school. I was not manipulated, but like I only wanted to learn so that I could get that grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The second one is that I want to actually inform my students about the sound design (laughs) of my assessment practices. Um, Not only is that going to keep me accountable for actually creating assessments of sound design, but I want to teach them assessment literacy as well. As beginning teachers, we are actually gonna be learning with our students, I feel like. So the last one is that before like asking my students to learn something and assessing them, I want to ensure that I see the value in that learning so that I can justify assessing them. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that has to do with just becoming well-versed in the learning target, Mm -hmm. but also justifying it, right, to myself and to them. Yeah, so I have a couple practical points here. Mm-hmm. And so the first, both Professor Nina and my mentor teacher did incredible at, and that was explaining assessment to the students and how they're going to be assessed. Maria touched on this. So just the idea that we can invite students into our assessment practices and that they're, we can do it with and for them and that it's not for me as the assessor or the teacher and it's not just something that I as the teacher do to them. Um, another thing that kind of ties together is the 
awesome focus on how assessment can be a part of decolonizing our teaching practice and it can promote relationships and it can promote care for our students as holistic beings. One way that I saw this practice really well in my practicum class again is my mentor teacher would write comments, give feedback on the forms, but when she would hand something back to the students, she would look at them in the eye mm. and give them a personalized comment. So wow. just the idea that we honor our students, we respect them by challenging them and we respect them by creating trust and letting them know that we have their best interests at heart. Once again, as a language word person, <laughs> I love the idea of using no deficit language. Mm -hmm. So whether that be in our feedback, whether that be in our rubrics, really using words that show that we are moving forward, not that we are lacking. I want to actually accept late work without punishment. Once again, just to honor we are stepping forward. And if we're taking those steps, then that should be celebrated and honored. Um, and I also want to have a community of teachers, colleagues, and learners around me to continue to stretch me. Um, I had a practicum partner who was a fellow student this semester, and it was so cool to get the first inklings of what that colleague relationship mm. can look yeah. like, of being able to voice maybe our worries or our fears, but also really celebrate one another and push one another and challenge our mindsets and how we've been thinking. So all those things, but... I also feel incredibly humbled before the profession in realizing that these are much harder to say or harder to do than to say. And so in my lessons and while I was reflecting, I really noticed that it's very hard to align assessment practices and what is being assessed and what is being learned because it's so nuanced. Mm -hmm. And there's all these things that we can do to continue to work at it. But if we're not working at it, it's so easy to fall back into what we've done before. And especially as a beginning teacher, realizing that I'm both learning instructional skills and assessment yeah. skills. And so being patient with myself in that. And so therefore, with all these things in mind, I commit to one thing. And that is that in my, this is the thing that my future assessment practices will continue to develop from. And this is a reflective practice. So Dr. Kim Franklin, she came to our classroom and explained to us that you cannot ask questions about assessment without also having questions of ethics and values. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, as she said, clothe my practice in my virtues. So therefore, I commit to asking myself what my values are, what is ethical, and if these are being shown in my assessment practices, and if they are in alignment with my assessment practices. Mm -hmm. And also asking myself and my students, could they say the same thing? So I will ask myself, am I assessing the answers that students have been taught to give me? Or am I assessing the learning that is occurring within the students? Am I punishing students who are choosing to learn rather than play the game of grades? And if I value creativity in my practice, is my assessment practice reflecting that? If I value authenticity in learning, does my practice show that? If I believe learning takes time and patience, does my practice reflect that? And if I really, truly believe that learning is a journey, do my assessment practices honor and respect that? So those will be the questions <laughs> I want circulating in my brain as I continue to move forward. I love that, clothing your practice with the virtues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, maybe I kind of did this unintentionally, but thinking about Shaquille Stiggins, they had like pebble sizes and then rock sizes and then like the boulder. I think I made I made one of each <laughs> when oh, I was doing okay. <laughs> when I was doing the commitment. Oh, and for your com your commitment for my commitments, or commitments or yeah, okay. for my actions, yeah. And so, the the first one 
quite practical. It was just, I wanted to actually read that book by Katie White mm. called Softening yeah. the Edges. Yeah. I think, yeah, just honestly, jumping over barriers was a really big theme that impacted me in this course. And so, yeah, thinking about, you know, the story of the Samaritan woman and what we talked about in class, like, I want to kind of equip myself better in figuring out how can I reach my students um, and, and meet them where they're at. The, the, the second goal is actually similar to what Emma shared in, in her, yeah, at the near the beginning about feedback. And mm -hmm. I think that's actually something I want to grow in. Um, I mentioned that diagnostic assessment was something I kind of had a lot of practice in this semester. And so uh, Nina has a very wise suggestion of just choosing kind of one thing to, to implement at a time. Yeah. And so I think the next thing for me is just growing in my feedback practices. And, and the textbook has some great, you know, theory behind it. They have, like, the seven strategies mm -hmm. for that. And so I just want to kind of learn, okay, what does that look like in practicing it and, and implementing it? And the final one and the really big one that I'm not sure if I'll reach right away is, of course, just hoping to implement standards-based grading, mm -hmm. you know, in my practice. Uh, I think for us in high school, and I believe it's grade 10 to 12, it's not necessarily mandatory. Mm -hmm. But standards-based grading really does fit with, again, the, the BC Teachers Council standard on creating inclusive practices yeah. and, and just seeing, kind of experiencing that myself in, in, in my own, you know, I guess assessment in this class, I do think that it's something that is worthwhile implementing. And actually it's kind of something, it's kind of the only thing I've known so far in learning <laughs> how to assess. And so- SBG? Yeah, I oh. haven't, like in terms of how to, from the teacher's point of view, mm -hmm. like I don't know, I don't actually know any theory about how to do percentage stuff mm. in, in that. In Dr. So Thomas Guskey. Yeah, okay. He kind of compares the three, or like the two. Oh. It's really interesting. I could never go back. Mm. <laughs> 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 I'll remember that. <laughs> Dr. Thomas Guskey, right? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. He writes a lot about grading practices. Uh, mm -hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are my three commitments. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, and then kind of to end our oral, it was sort of a one summary statement. Um, the, and the thinking frame is the first I thought, then I learned, and now I think, and so I will, to sort of finish Alrighty. us off. Mine is uh, more of a paragraph. So oh, bear okay. with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, not fearing. This is such yeah. a delight. <laughs> uh, so I used to think, as I talked about, that assessment was part of teaching that everybody hated but had to do. Uh, then I learned that formative assessment is actually an essential part of teaching and learning mm. that drastically improves learning outcomes and also like drastically improves our teaching. Um, now I think that teachers can use assessment methods and have to use assessment methods more effectively by being more purposeful and intentional in the way that they design both summative and formative assessments. So now I'm going to use what I know about effective and ethical assessment practices to improve the way that I assess. And I will also continually evaluate, reflect, and improve my assessment literacy through different ways of professional development. Thanks, Maria. So for my summary statement, first I thought that assessment was a game that I had to learn how to play to win. Then I learned that assessment is a tool to guide students and empower our students on their journey of learning. Now I think that assessment practices are crucial in how we challenge our students to take risks in their learning and honor their learning journeys. 
So I will commit to asking myself if my assessment practices are in alignment with the values that I believe in so that I am challenged not to fall into my former habits and thought pro patterns of assessment as being a game, but rather a tool to build up and empower our students. Thanks, Emma. All right, here's my summary statement. <laughs> First, I thought that assessment was all about improvement. Then I learned that assessment was also about honoring God's children. Now I think about how I can honor and inspire the students God has given me in my assessment. Mm -hmm. So I will continue to learn and implement assessment practices sustainably and faithfully. Okay, first of all, <laughs> this um, putting it on the podcast is such a, a new thing that we've never done this before. So thank you so much for being like consenting to it and being willing to share, not with only the three, like each other, um, but whoever listens to this episode. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to say it was such a gift mm -hmm. to be your prof again. Um, I honestly felt like I offered very little and um, just very magical, <laughs> <laughs> awe-inspiring things happen. Mm -hmm. I'm almost like literally moved to tears just <laughs> Um, being able to witness your growth. So it was really like a privilege and honor to be your teacher this mm -hmm. semester. And I just wish you all the best. And I can be added to your, your professional learning network. Amy can reach out to me mm -hmm. at any time. And like, honestly, it's people like you that give me so much hope <laughs> for the future. So thank you. Thank you. Special thank you to Nina, Maria, Emma, and Sean for a wonderful conversation. This episode is brought to you by the School of Education at Trinity Western University. Until next time, may you be inspired in your educational journey. Mm -hmm.